Hey, good morning, everybody. It's your host, Dylan Conroy, and we're back with another episode of the Ad Podcast. Uh, I'm broadcasting to you guys from my new RV here in Reno, Nevada, on a little bit of a road trip this summer. And uh, I am super excited about today's show. Uh, we have Kim Hurwitz, the Chief Marketing Officer of Fight TV, on as a guest today. Kim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Dylan. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. <laughs> you know, we we're, we we like swap states, I guess, right? Because I'm normally <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas, and I'm in LA now, and you're in Reno, so exactly, exactly. I still call that the biggest little town in the in the in the world, or something like that. Yeah, Reno. totally. I haven't been to Reno since I was in college for like uh, you know New Year's or something like that in Tahoe, but yeah, it's a great city. But um, yeah, so super excited to have you on the show today. Um, I'm really excited to dive into your career, um, but really I think you're in a unique position as a marketer to talk about just the impact that influencer marketing has had on combat sports and just the idea that influencers are not really considered just a marketing asset or a channel in the combat sports industry, but really they've become almost part of the show now. They're stars, they're uh, they're driving massive amounts of uh, content, and they're actually competing in fights. So I think you're in a really unique position to comment on that. Yeah, it's um, been going on for some time. And uh, I mean, we, start, we saw some of it like a decade or, or go or more when um, MMA fighters started entering into pro wrestling, uh, mm -hmm. even Ronda Rousey, you know, like the queen of female MMA went into WWE and is, I guess, still there. And, yeah. it, and people would go back and forth and you'd see Mike Tyson show up in an AEW show. And, and it, it it's just like, um, uh, you know, you're getting my chocolate and your peanut butter and your peanut butter, my chocolate, you know, like everyone is just kind of figuring out how can we leverage each other in, in a way, to, so all boats rise, and um, and it was inevitable with the internet launch and and YouTubers and it, even before that, you know, Vine stars, which you know, Jake Logan Paul, good examples of that, and um, people just just some people just rising to the top, whether it's through magic or hard work or a bit of both, um, and they started going into different areas and a lot of credit should go to Jake Paul. Um, you know, love him or don't. Um, he's really kind of changed the landscape in boxing in, in many ways. I mean, he uh, has had, uh, you know, eight pro fights right now and um, we've carried them all on fight every single one. And so we've really seen him from the, the genesis of um, when he, well, he was on the undercard of the Tyson Jones fight, which that was an outlier. And of course, this all happened during the pandemic. So um, it was um, it, it was it was an outlier. I don't know that it'll ever, you know, well, there'll just be a new a new thing right, um, in the future that that will change things again. But um, he was one of the big success because of, I, I mean, I think he was um, germane to the success of that program, which is still the eighth biggest of all time. And Tyson gets a lot of credit, of course, um, and Snoop Dogg does too, because how many times do you see a, a major rap star doing commentary and smoking a blunt while they're doing it? <laughs> and of course there was Wiz Khalifa and a bunch of other you know, stars on the show. It's just very different. And it was the weekend of Thanksgiving. Everyone was home with 
family members, everyone's like, you know, shut down, locked down. So, uh, but, but you're right. Influencers have really um, gone into the sport and, you know, we carried, um, it was, uh, well, Logan Paul and, and KSI. Um, that was probably one of the first ones that we did years ago. And we didn't even have the big countries, <laughs> meaning, you know, the big money-making pay-per-view countries like the U.S. And we didn't even have the U.K., which is our second biggest market. Um, I think we had Australia, which is our number third market. It's even bigger than Canada, you know, which surprises some people. But considering the population of Australia is about the same as the state of California. So and yet it's a whole continent, too. <laughs> but um, we did so well with that fight. We thought, wow, there's there's something here. Let's get more of those. And um, we get all sorts of leagues. Uh, we've done stuff with social gloves and and and. Um, influencer fight league and um many different ones out of canada i mean they, they spring up here and there and we're kind of the go-to uh we also do a lot of stuff with celebrity boxing um if you're familiar with bkfc which we carry and that's real you know boxing that's david feldman but his brother uh damon feldman heads up the celebrity uh boxing official celebrity boxing and I worked with him like 10 years ago when I was at Film On and we had Jose Canseco and um, <laughs> Kato Kalin and Octomom. Do you remember all these names? <laughs> like an episode of Celebrity Rehab or something like that, right? <laughs> um, but that was like, that was 10 years ago and uh, or more. God, it was a long time ago. And um, and he preceded that. He had Danny Bonducci fighting um, Jose Canseco. And that was, I think, on Fox television. So um, the, there, there have been seedlings of influencers infiltrating boxing and sport. Why boxing? I don't know. Uh, I guess it's more entertaining than just doing free throw shots <laughs> on the court yeah. or something. Oh, um wow. And I think there are other sports that are trying to kind of do that. I mean, if you even go way, way back in history when you had um, uh, Bobby Riggs and, and uh, Billie Jean King, you know, I mean, it was like the first time a man is going to play tennis with a woman. You know, if we get the best woman and like an OK guy, you know, because <laughs> she beat him. And I mean, that was like eons ago. Um, and so there's always been a little bit of influencers or celebrity. If you've got heat, you've got an audience. Um, that's going to always be attractive to sports or marketing or anything else. You know, yeah. it's, it's why TV shows have guest stars and, and you know, because you want to throw that magic into the mix. Yeah, no, I love that. And, uh, you know, um, I had some questions on my list to ask you about uh, the Paul brothers. But since you brought it up, we'll just jump into it. Um, so, you know, I think the Paul brothers are very interesting because, they became massive YouTubers when they were younger and then they made some, you know, questionable decisions along the way. And some may say, some might say that they were canceled for a moment. Right. So um, they were no longer, you know, large brands were no longer interested in working with them. Uh, they were having trouble, uh, you know, monetizing their audience. Even I think YouTube slapped the Paul brothers with demonetization and they no longer could even, you know, one part of it is brand deals, of course, but then they were no longer even to uh, be able to get YouTube ad revenue. So that put them in a really precarious position of really needing to kind of reinvent themselves. 
and they've done so amazing with uh with 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 their entry into combat sports but what is even more exciting i think in my opinion is the rise of the prime energy drink and the prime sports drink yeah. um I, I, I have heard about some of the back ends, uh, the, how that deal was structured, and it was basically done as um, tiered equity uh, over a five-year contract, and they would also make a royalty day one on every single case that was sold on Amazon. And what a lot of people don't know is uh, they expected the Paul brothers to, uh, or Logan and, uh, and Jake and also KSI to kind of maximize that um that 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 total earnout in about five years well they did it in 18 months they hit their sales goals in 18 months so a lot of people a lot of people think they're coming for gatorade you know they think they're the my my kids my kids play uh my kids buy buy prime at school uh on the black market for 10 bucks a bottle I was going to say, they get it at school. How do they get it at school? Okay, there's already an underground, right? Yeah, there's there's like an underground economy at school where kids sell Prime out of their backpacks for 10 bucks a bottle, and they treat it like it's Pokemon cards. They're like, oh, have you tried the, oh, do you have the, do you have the rare ghost purple, you know, whatever flavor? And and oh, they've crazy. almost, yeah, I mean, they've almost created like this, uh, this, uh, the same type of fervor that kids have around Pokemon cards and collectibles. Yeah, that, a whole secondary a market. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty oh, wild. wild. I, I mean, I heard about kids like buying Supreme T-shirts and stuff like that. You know, whenever they could get good uh, prices for certain ones, and and then almost like black market selling that at school. But <laughs> well, you know. You, you need to learn a lot of things at school and maybe uh, learning how <laughs> platform marketing, uh, pyramid schemes. I don't know. Maybe right, it's, right. it's yet another lesson, right? Yeah, um, no, but, yeah. And, you know, Prime is everywhere. That um, that drink, I think it's in all the Target stores, too. I mean, the distribution they got was incredible. And it's interesting that they made an equity deal because these um, these these fellows are so wealthy that they can afford to do something like that. You know, a lot of people are starting out. It's like, I don't want equity. <laughs> so I want yeah. the money. But, you know, when you have money, you can actually make more money if you're willing to do an equity deal. If you feel, you know, it, it's got some legs. And, yeah. uh, but you're right. They did, they completely reinvented themselves. And that's a, a lesson, I think, for anyone who's out there in the public eye is uh, even if you mess up, or maybe it's a metaphor for life. Like if you, if you mm -hmm. mess up, fine, but like keep moving. Because yeah. news cycles are fast and, um, you know, no one really cares about you. They care about themselves. You know, yeah. like, you know, when you talk to a stoic or, or people that, that talk about philosophy and stuff like that, it's like, don't worry so much about what people think of you. They're not thinking of you. <laughs> They're thinking of themselves. <laughs> so just keep moving, you know, totally. keep I love it. going ahead. And, and you can almost get more traction, whether it's good or bad, by getting some attention something yeah. to break no, through very good uh very good points um so yeah so let's uh let's change gears a little bit i'd love to walk through your resume because um when i was doing my research on you i noticed that you yourself are a black belt in karate right yeah mm -hmm. okay very cool so uh did you always have a passion to kind of inject uh inject your uh personal study and and practice of martial arts into your career 
Uh, it was never planned that way. Um, you know, I studied theater at, at UCLA, so I was going to be an actress or a singer, and I still do some sing uh, singing in bands, and I've made some money um, off of songs and stuff. But um, the I, I really, I saw uh, the Leonard um, Hagler boxing match um, when I was, well, a lot younger. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and I loved it, and I... Uh, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it why people think this is so beautiful because these these guys are at the height of their career and, and the height of their powers. And um, I just became a big fan. And then I kind of stumbled into marketing and um, in pay-per-view. And of course, most of the money makers were um, it, boxing. And um, and then I also sold movies and and I did a lot of stuff um, in the 90s with all the big um, boxers. And I used, I was like the only female who was going to these press conferences at the time <laughs> for pretty much or willing. I had a mic, you know, because it's like a theater background, right? I can interview people. I can talk and just go, go, go. And I would glob on to like different people and, and uh, did a lot of stuff with Oscar De La Hoya beginning of his career and um foreman and then and moved on to julio cesar chavez and um don king and whatever whoever he was promoting that guy will talk you know yeah. he just give him a microphone he's still he's like 91 he still just keeps talking 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 you know anyway um and, and talk about someone who maybe has something uh, you know uh, so uh, bad things in your past <laughs> like, but people just move on <laughs> it's like okay um it's the cult of personality, right? That's that's the thing that moves everything, it seems. And um, so, yeah, I just became a big fan. And, and I started this nonprofit while I was still working at the cable company. Um, because at the time in L.A., there were 33 operators. And we were getting our um, our, our lunch handed to us by DirecTV, a little upstart that came out would outspend us in the market. So I buy all the media and I do all these deals with like Jiffy Lube and, you know, Bally Total Fitness, like buy this, get this. And, you know, I, I kind of got, a, I, I gained their attention. So I got an offer to come over to the dark side of <laughs> DirecTV. It was like insane money to come on over there. I was like, okay. <laughs> So I went over there and then that was fun because now I had a national platform and this was around the time when um, uh, Dana White came to my office um, because they had just sold uh, the UFC uh, to, to Zufa and, and the UFC is something I go way, way back in my career. I actually won the marketing contest for UFC one. No way. So, it was, it was 50 bucks. <laughs> I was mentioning that on a podcast. Um, but it, it was nothing like the UFC you see now. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that it would become this multi-billion dollar um, oh, entity wow. later on. But they just, they were passionate. They didn't give up. And, um, you know, even when Dana came by office and said, I hope because DirecTV was the only people carrying UFC at that time. It's like the early aughts at this point. And, um, they still went on. They lost $62, 65000000 million in the red. I mean, luckily, the Fertitas, you know, they owned a, a casino and, and, and some beer and, and, and companies and stuff. So they, they could afford the loss. But even they were going like, what do we do? You know, and then they did this little thing called Ultimate Fighter, which is like these are kind of influencers on the rise, you know, kind of tie it back to what we're all talking about. But it, it's building the farm team. Like, you know, build some stars and put them on TV and they bet, you know, on themselves because they 
they had to pay for the time. You know, Spike didn't give them the time. And um, they just, they, that, they blew up. That changed the company. And, wow. um, and it's just, you know, on and on. I mean, I'm a huge fan uh, of the U.S. I don't really see them as a, a competitor. Um, I, I see them as um, just being, helping to create a market. I think that fights helping to create a market. Even DAZN, you could say, oh, because uh, we just worked with them on the Jake Paul fight. You could say, oh, well, maybe you guys are um, competitors, right? I said, well, not really. We work together. You know, yeah. it, it's like, we'll, if you need more help in the international area, fine. We really excel in the, in those areas because we've had to, to kind of survive. We love getting U.S. rights and we do get them a lot um, as well. But we're willing to work with, with anyone. We work with traditional cable and satellite. Heck, sometimes we bring them in ourselves, uh, you know, because the, the people who are sitting home that still subscribe to cable TV, they probably are not ordering this online. They're going to get it from their TV set. So, it, But they will run TV spots, and that creates a market. So we, we like to work collaboratively with, with others. And yeah. I know you I don't know if you want to tie this back to one of your earlier questions about. Yeah, this. well, I, I did. Um, so, you know, I think one of the recent updates and you've already talked about this a little bit about how, you know, a lot of times what would happen was uh, a fighter would gain prominence and prestige in the UFC. Um, but then, you know, we know that the UFC is very demanding. It's taxing on the body. These athletes eventually do have a shelf life. And then uh, they have an opportunity to go on and continue to be stars in other arenas, whether it's as influencers or actors. Yep. But um, I think an exciting development that you touched on is a lot of them end up going to the WWE after they compete in UFC. And mm -hmm. uh, most recently in time, uh, uh, Endeavor has acquired both companies. And now maybe that synergy is going to be even more synergistic. Do you have any comment on how you think that acquisition or that uh, bundling of those two organizations are going to become even more ingrained and more intertwined? I, I think there probably will be a lot of synergies there. I, I think that, and this is just my opinion, but I think it was more of an economic decision uh, because they're both doing so, so well. And so you want to create this conglomerate of really successful, profitable companies, just like some of the biggest um, companies in Europe where they get all these major, major luxury brands and stuff like that. Um, I think they want to be, have a juggernaut like that. They want a huge power play. Will it also contribute to synergies? Yes. But, you know, sometimes you see things like Showtime and Paramount Pictures and and, and and Bellator and all these things that they're all owned by the same company. But if but if you deal with them, you sometimes you would think the right hand doesn't know what the left hand. It's easier to go outside sometimes than to work for your own sister company. And I've worked at enough conglomerations over the years where I, I found that to be true. So um, it, it I would hope there would be synergies. Um, but right now, I think a lot of those synergies are are just like kind of. You know, it, it's agents, it's managers, it's relationships, kind of like Hollywood, you know, and um, they, they trade horse trade and, and whatever is going to benefit the guy 
that you're talking to it will happen. So, um, yeah, I think there will, it'll make it a little bit easier. There has been kind of a pecking order of fights for some time. Um, people would fight on, let's say, Bellator or PFL or one championship. Um, and then if they got bigger, they would maybe move on up to the next tier. Or, or you can go upstairs or downstairs, right? Like Mike Perry is a good example. He was on the UFC, did okay, had a bunch of controversy, you know, he got in trouble with some fights and stuff like that. Then he came over to us and he worked on a triad combat, which, which Triller um, did. Um, and that was a mixture of boxing and MMA rule set in like a, a, a triangle that was like, it's basically half the size of a, of a square ring, right? It's a really oh, tiny space. And then he also went on to fight in bare knuckle boxing. And, um, and he, he just became huge. And, and so I think you're going to see people and, and BKFC is getting a lot of former UFC fighters. I mean, Luke Rockhold was just on there too. And Ben Rothwell, and there's a, a, there's a ton of them. Um, yeah. And sometimes then they go back. So there's different careers. And look what happened with Nganu. You know, big star in the UFC now is going to maybe fight Tyson Fury. Um, I would see that. I don't know. He showed up at the Jake Paul fight too. It was like, it was a stir in the audience, you know, when he showed up and it was like that. I went to the BKFC uh, Denver show and Conor McGregor showed up and only David Feldman, the owner, he didn't tell anyone that he was coming, but you could just feel wow. the electricity in the air. And now you have Conor calling out J Jake Paul and, and, you know, back and forth. Jake Paul says he wants Canelo though. So I don't know. I just saw, I just saw one of the comments in, in the chat here. Um, Jessica Phillips says uh, the best way to make something cool is to ban it. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> right. That's yeah. a good comment. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, um, you know, something else I wanted to touch on is uh, we, we talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the show as well. But um, you're out in Las Vegas now, which is becoming kind of this uh, new Hollywood almost in a way. Right. With all the sports teams and, you know, all the fight industry, obviously, a lot of the big. Uh, matches happen out there. UFC is out there. But then you also have guys like Mark Wahlberg, who is moving out to Vegas and establishing all of his empire out there. Yep. Um, can, you, can you tell me a little bit more just about the uh, the energy around the entertainment in industry, both inside and outside of combat sports that's happening in Las Vegas? Yeah, um, Las Vegas it was, it's kind of like LA light. <laughs> That's what I think of. I lived in LA all my life, but I used to go to Vegas all the time for conventions. Um, it's where CES is. So the newest innovations were always, you know, premiered there. And, um, and then I think when they, when they got the Raiders, uh, in an NFL team, that was a big deal. They've always had NASCAR. Um, they have WNBA and then they got the golden Knights, which is just won the, you know, the Stanley Cup. I mean, yeah. like, really? <laughs> These guys in the desert are winning ice hockey. Um, but, you know, there's going to be probably MLB. I'm sure there'll be an NBA expansion team. But there's more stuff. Uh, Formula One. They're going to yeah. be down the, the strip and they're selling, you know, portions of what, like, where you could sit and watch things. I mean, just millions of dollars. And that, have you seen that sphere? Yeah, uh, a friend of mine just posted. Uh, so uh, just posted it. I imagine he was probably in the encore because I've seen the view from the encore down on that thing. But yeah, that thing is looking you can see crazy. it almost anywhere in town. And 
U2 has a residency coming up in October there. They're going to be, I guess, the first artist there. And so that's the other thing. Vegas is not only doing the sports, and plus we have the Super Bowl next year. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had March Madness this year. I mean, it's just like everything is coming there. And a lot of it is it, it's kind of like L.A., but like less politics and no state taxes and yep. lots of incentives. And, um, you know, it has everything else. I mean, it's got gambling and, you know, marijuana, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. It's like anything that, you know, people are looking for. It, it's cheaper to live here in general. And people go, oh, it's so hot. It, it is hot, but it, it's drier. So if it's it, like in L.A., it, it's very similar to weather in L.A. Because it seems like a lot of the weather patterns are shifting. And I'm not going to get into some conspiracy thing about that or anything. But it, it's just like it, it's really not as bad as you'd like. And it gets cold. It even sometimes snows in the winter. A lot of people don't know that. But um, it's got everything except for the ocean. But we have Lake Mead. Which is slowly, slowly yeah. getting more water well, to go to it. That's scary. Um, but but also you well, mentioned Mark Wahlberg, you know, Dean Kane and others that they're saying, well, why there's so much land here? Why don't we why don't we bring Hollywood here? Yeah. And uh the other thing you mentioned around not having the ocean, uh one innovation that our agency has been spending a lot of times in and around is the uh the wave pool industry. So we've done uh, campaigns with World Surf League and Adobe, which is in a man-made uh, pool in Lemoore, California, in the middle of Cowtown. And then Social Standard, we also rented out the uh, the uh, Waco Surf Resort down in uh, just outside of Austin in Waco and brought uh, 40 brands and 40 influencers out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas ends up having their version of an ocean very soon. Yeah, uh, they're building underground tunnels. You know, Musk is doing kind of one of those underground things here, too. Uh, I think he's still doing it in L.A. near Hawthorne, right? The the Boring Company. Um, anyway, yeah. but, but I know he's doing a big uh, transportation thing uh, for Vegas for future stuff, too, because eventually that will become an issue of because it's already starting to clog. There's a lot of um, uh, traffic, uh, considering it's, it's a relatively small town. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I I love I love being back here in LA too. It's my home, right? Uh, it's kind of where I grew up. But I, I also love Las Vegas. So, very and cool. It's about forty minute plane ride. So <laughs> yeah, easy to get back and forth. So um, you've spent a lot of time in uh, subscription video on demand as well. Um, I wonder if you would be in a position to comment on just kind of are, are we hitting a uh, maximum threshold of what the consumer is willing to spend on all these different disparate uh, S, uh, subscription video platforms as far as like an ongoing subscription? Do you think this is just cable rebuilding itself on the Internet versus through, you know, set top boxes? Like, are we hitting uh, a critical mass there? And do you think the consumer will continue to? you know, just keep on buying these one-offs or are we going to see a bundling that have uh, kind of a reckoning there in short order? Well, you gave me about half a dozen questions and the answer is yes, 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 yes. yes of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's kind of like the old uh, who lyrics of like, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And mm -hmm. um, it, it is a little bit um, similar to how, you know, cable got together. People are going to 
get more and more combos. So you can kind of do it now with companies that own each other, like ESPN and Disney and Hulu. They're all kind of similar ownerships, so you can get a bundle there. But And I think you'll probably see even more bundling um, because there is subscription fatigue. I mean, and people game the system as much as they can. They sign up, they do, you know, they get the free preview for a week or two and then like binge watch all their favorites and then cancel it. And then maybe they try and get a new, uh, you know, email address or, but, you know, subscription owners are getting wiser to that too. And they're going to make it more IP based or credit card based. So people can't do that as much, but this is also contributing to the rise of the FAST channels. So if you're familiar with that, it's an acronym. Starts, It stands for free advertising um, of streaming television. I, I almost like yep. stumped myself for a second. <laughs> but um, we have one too. It's called Fight 24-7. You can get us on, there's like 17 platforms that we're on. The biggest one is probably um, Roku, the Roku channel. We're in the sports section. We're like in the top uh, top 15, I think, which is pretty good because we're going up against, you know, NBA and MLB and, and NFL, et cetera. Um, this allows people to see a lot of stuff. Tubi is another good example. That's a whole platform basically of fast channels, if you will, because um, it's all, it's free. Uh, you just got to sit through the ads, but you can see, you know, lots of good TV series and movies on there as well. And I think that you'll see that people are willing to um, uh, go after something where there's a sunk cost. So if you, if you subscribe to Max, can't believe they dropped the HBO, but anyway, Max, um, yeah. it, you know, then you're going to go there first before you buy something on pay-per-view or whatever. Um, but you might go to the fast channel first. You might go, well, you know, what, what can I watch for free? So there is fatigue, but I think a, a bigger thing is maybe this strike, you know, between the right mm -hmm. field and, yeah. and, and SAG, because um, I don't know how long is that going to go on? I mean, they're arguing about AI and, and the future of like, uh, you know, how content is done. And, and that's maybe even a bigger question, um, how we're going to deal with that, you know, yeah. the jobs I'm, are I'm replaced. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I'm old enough to have sat through the last uh, writer's strike. I was in the more traditional re reality TV production world mm. back then. And it was actually a huge boon to our industry, oh, yeah. right? That's really where reality TV kind of yeah. took off because there was a season in which that was all you could watch and genre really, I think, accelerate. Um, do you think we might see a new uh, kind of resurgence of uh, unscripted during this time while we're kind of waiting for uh, whatever happens with the writer's strike to shake out? Yeah, I think if it if it's prolonged, um, absolutely, because they'll have to. And I've been reading a lot of stuff in the trades about um, that reality um, phenomena that you that you just mentioned and that they're feeling like it's not quite having the same effect right now. But maybe that's just for now. Um, people, because the economy is a little, you know, a little constricted right now, too. And people are hesitant about spending a lot of money really on anything. But I mean, look at all the reality series that Netflix offers now and and these competition shows and, and romance shows and stuff like that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think there will be unscripted stuff. Um, yeah. And there will be maybe, I don't know, maybe a hybrid of like some AI stuff, some real stuff. I wish I had a crystal ball because um, 
we're at a really interesting inflection point yeah. right now. I think what I think something that's interesting about how um, streaming has changed the dynamic during the last writer's strike is, uh, you know, they had to create programming to populate linear TV. Right. But now, now because you have streaming, it's like, okay, well, maybe I can't watch a new show, but I could at least go on. Like right now, I've been binge watching Mad Men and Suits um, because, you know, I can, right? But back, yeah. back uh, in the last writer's strike, there wasn't that on-demand element of uh, entertainment that we all love and and get to enjoy now. So maybe uh, people will just watch old content until the new stuff comes back around and rediscover old shows. Yeah, I, I think you'll you'll definitely see that, and that's good for anyone who gets royalties from that or or the provider. Um, I saw there was a question that I think it's a great time for brands to launch their own entertainment content series if the strike is prolonged. What do you think? Well, I think it's. You should all you should always do that, whether there's a strike or not. If you have an entertainment, uh, I mean, if you have a brand, I mean, why not? There's so many tools out there, both AI and <laughs> and others that, you know, can help you um, to find your inner creativity and really expand on it. it it's cheaper. It's same thing with musicians. Um, there's there's so much music out there, um, but it's so and then it's harder to rise above and become really big, but, um, but it, it, it's, it's still an opportunity and, and you should, you know, always go for it. Yeah. uh, I love that. I heard, uh, uh, there was just a new, uh, sketch comedy show, uh, that's debuting on Twitter that is starring Roseanne Barr. Um, and that's, uh, that's about to come out. And, uh, I think that was brand financed by a company called Public Square. So it seems like brands are kind of experimenting to figure out how can they maybe fill a little bit of a void right now with this uh, lack of content. Yeah. And it's interesting that um, they're doing it on Twitter. I mean, X. Yeah, right. I know. We all have to get get used to that new branding, right? Or maybe, you know, you need to be the first brand to launch something on threads, you know. Oh, yeah. You want to always be on that cutting edge, right? Are you on threads, Dylan? You know what? Um, I'm kind of a Luddite when it comes to social media. I'm usually the last guy. I I work in social media, but I'm usually the last guy to adopt a new platform. But I'm curious. I'm curious to see what happens, but you know, I only have so much time in the day. I know, I know, I know. But um, that's interesting that they're doing something with Roseanne Barr. And I think that comedians have, so many of them have been canceled or like shelved. It's like, oh, that that's, that's not funny. <laughs> you know, so in, that the whole thing about comedy is to make fun of people and make fun of yourselves. So, but if you can't, it's hard to do that and kind of get away with it. But maybe if you had a, a brand who, who stood for something, uh, it doesn't have to be a political bent. It could be whatever it is, whatever their platform is. Um, you can, you can do it that way. And maybe you're just preaching to your audience You're You're really only preaching to your audience anyway, or as like Howard Stern used to always say, you know, people used to tune in if they loved me, but they also used to tune in because they hated me and they wanted yeah. to see what I said. And and I think Jake Paul would probably extol the same type of wisdom. It's like, yeah, some people love me, some people hate me. Just buy the ticket, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, if you wanna get really big and you're not offending someone, well, then you're probably not doing enough. Yeah, you know? probably, uh, probably, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. 
All right. Well, hey, uh, we're getting down to the home stretch here. So um, I'd love your uh, outtake on what has you most excited about your role uh, and the future with Fight TV. What, what are you excited about in, say, the next six months? Um, I would say that, you know, we have started to expand into other sports outside of combat sports. Um, we did that a little bit during the pandemic because we didn't have a choice because there were no live sports really to be had uh, other than pro wrestling, which never really slowed down. They just started doing, um, shows in arenas with no people in them. And then of course with fight Island and, and, uh, you know, Dana's brilliance on doing something in a different country. We did that too. We went to different countries to find stuff where they didn't have the same prohibitions and they were doing live sport and we would carry those. Um, but we also got into motorsports and other things that kind of, you know, worked well with uh, being six feet apart and having masks and gloves. Um, yeah. But what we, we like that when we realized that like, oh, you know, we can tap into new audiences and we did it through influencers because we, you know, we, we had Travis Pastrana and, and uh, Tyler Berriman and all these like really big racers. They weren't doing anything. So we took the fact that, oh, you've got 9 million Instagram followers and you're really good at what you do. Yes, let's work together. And, so um, I, you know, I, I think we want to go into more and more sports. We do some soccer. Uh, we're doing uh, Cubes um, basketball. Uh, oh, his three-on-three three league? Three. Um, but wow. we don't do it. We we we're doing it internationally um, okay. but because we did it domestically before. So, you know, we're trying to do of everything we, we want we, we want to get into all sorts of sports and entertainment as well so it won't just be combat sports it's like anything we have a, we such a great it? platform you know will we see uh pickleball? will we see pickleball on fight tv soon uh, you know we're talking <laughs> to them <laughs> I love it. Uh, because you know a lot of uh, famous athletes are buying into these leagues. Yeah, they're, right. they're snapping them up. They, they see what's coming, and, and there's going to be all sorts of weird things. There's like there's already tag, and, and there's already you know competitive this and that, and uh, you know I, I think it's just it may not get to Squid Game level, but it might. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole nother story. Well, uh, Kim. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I've always enjoyed uh, speaking to you professionally one-on-one -on -one, and you're just a joy. Uh, and uh, I think having just such a strong female leader in this space is uh, really, really exciting and a great thing for the industry to have. Um, so thanks again for coming on. And I uh, uh, just want to let the audience know that we will be going live every Monday at 1 p.m. moving forward. So if you uh, haven't already given this show a follow or a subscribe or whatever you do, wherever you're listening or watching today, please uh, do whatever you have to so you can tune in next week. So thanks again for coming on the show, Kim. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.